It's time for another episode of Friends Who Trek Together. My friends Sarah and I are watching Star Trek Voyager together and discussing it here on this podcast. We discuss three episodes a week, and this week we're going to be talking about three episodes from season two, Elogium, Non Sequitur, and Twisted. You can find us on social media at Friends Who Trek Together on Instagram, tumblr.com slash Friends Who Trek Together, and we finally started using our Twitter, so we'll be tweeting at Trek Together Pod. So thanks for helping get the Twitter going, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun, honestly. Yeah. Um, I had fun watching you tweet. <laughs> <laughs> were you watching along or were you just, like, following? I was not, but I had already watched the episode. So, you so like, ready. I knew what yeah. you were talking about <laughs> when you were talking about it, and I had responses ready to go (laughs) and then after you did that I started watching Enterprise and I've been tweeting as I've been watching Enterprise so I'm going (laughs) to keep on doing that and I still have a few episodes left of the original series that I need to watch to complete my recent original series rewatch so I'll tweet about those too when I get around to watching them but Enterprise has been very enjoyable. It's been a long time since I've watched it. There's a lot I don't remember, but there's a lot I do remember. I think I must have started watching it maybe in season two or three when it was originally on TV. And so there's a lot in seasons one and two that feels like maybe I haven't seen it at all. I'm not sure. So it's been kind of fun. And it's been fun confirming that I do really like Enterprise. I think it's a good show. I don't know why people give it a hard time. So also, I realized I hadn't really remembered this, or maybe I just never thought about it before, but Enterprise is a great Star Trek show for those of us who love Vulcans. I really like Vulcans, and Enterprise has a lot of, like, Vulcan stuff happening. There's a lot of episodes where they interact with Vulcans. I'm really enjoying that. But back to Voyager, we had a Kess episode, a Harry episode, and then kind of a whole crew mm-hmm. episode this week. So the first episode we watched, the one that you tweeted about was Elogium, which was pretty much a Kess episode. I was not a big fan. It was... um I don't know. It was just, like, uncomfortable yeah, the whole time. that's a good way to put it. There were, like, little things that I liked about it, but mostly it was not, it was not that great. <laughs> it was, yeah. like you said, uncomfortable, and not in a good way. I think the best highlight of this episode was Tuvok's line, where Neelix is t- trying to talk to him about he's not sure if he wants to be a father or not. Well, maybe I should explain what's going on in this episode before <laughs> I get into that. <laughs> so in this episode, the ship encounters these aliens that are like out floating around in space, and they just live in space. And so everyone's like, oh, this is interesting. Let's study them. But then they start affecting the ship. And they kind of lose control of Voyager because of these aliens. And they also somehow cause Kess to start the Ocampa version of puberty, sort of. It's different, but it's almost kind of like puberty. 
Um, and we learn that Kess isn't even two years old. She's under two years old. And she's not supposed to go through this elogium, it's called, until she's four years old. So it's early, and that really kind of freaks her out. And she thinks that she's got to have a child now, or she might never be able to. Excuse me, dog. <laughs> Can you not do that? She's a little sneezy, baby. Well, she rolls around on her back, and it makes her sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what was where was I? I was talking about Kess hitting her one chance to yeah. have a child sooner than she should, and so she's kind of freaking out and panicking, and she sort of tells Neelix, like, We've got to do this now. I need to know whether or not you want to do this now. So Neelix then is kind of panicked because he doesn't know if he wants to be a father. And now he's got like two days-ish to make this decision. Okay, so then Neelix goes to talk to Tuvok. He says something like, I guess it could be neat to have a son. I have lots of things I could teach him. And then he lists some really stupid things. But all right. And Tuvok's sort of like, <laughs> okay, but you know, you could also have a daughter. And then Neelix is like, a daughter? Oh, I don't know what I would do with a daughter. And Tuvok's just like, why would it be any different than having a son? And he's like, I don't know. I don't have anything to teach a daughter. Big picture, this episode pushed me firmly into I don't like Neelix land. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I've, I've given up on that character. I don't like him. Because we also, on top of that, like, nonsense, we also have a lot of jealous Neelix, which I was tired of several episodes ago, and now it's too much. It it's seems to only be getting worse. Yeah, but I loved that scene with Tuvok a lot. He seems like a great dad. He sounds like he really loves his kids a lot mm-hmm. and misses them a lot. And also his advice about like not having kids unless you're sure you want kids is good advice. It's good <laughs> advice. And also don't pressure your partner into having a, a kid. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, Kess was much less the bad guy in this episode, and I understand that she was under an extreme stressor that she didn't expect when she was doing this, but the way she was putting it all on Neelix, like, I have to know your answer now or yeah. never, it was, that was not great. Yeah. I am not here to defend Neelix, like, generally, but when he was nervous and not sure if he wanted that responsibility, she yelled at him and called him, like, selfish, essentially. Which, yeah, like, no, that's totally fair. That's not how that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if he's uncomfortable, he's not being selfish. And if you think your partner, if you want to have a kid and you think your partner doesn't, there's your answer. Like, yeah. you don't need to get the words yes or no. Sometimes you can just kind of tell, and that should have been enough for her to know, you know, this isn't going to happen or I'm going to have to figure something else out or, you know, but I guess I can understand she would have been in a pretty severe panicked state at that point and maybe not thinking very clearly. And so she was kind of going with more of a not well thought out response. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I didn't like Kess in this episode. I didn't like Neelix in this episode. I didn't like what was happening. Yeah. I mean, the stuff with the aliens was kind of... That was fine. That, that was, was kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah, I was mostly angry. There were, again, there were things that I liked. I liked, little, I liked the aliens. It was cute and funny because you find out that the aliens are trying to be, like, mate with Voyager. Yeah. <laughs> Which is Which incredible. Chakotay knew all about. Chakotay yeah. knows a lot about... 
mating. Yeah, he was <laughs> I guess ready. he just kept coming forward with the answers. He was like, yeah. "Oh, they're doing this and that. That's probably the big one showed up." And he was saying, oh, I think that big one is trying to compete with us to mate with the little ones or whatever. (laughs) He just knew it all. He knew all. And there was this hilarious moment at the end of the episode where they get out of trouble. And Janeway said, if I ever need advice on mating, I'll know who to (laughs) come to or something like that. It was really funny. Yeah. I'm sure the uh, Janeway Chakotay shippers love that line. (laughs) Uh, so not to spend too much time on Neelix and his jealousy, but I want to talk about two specific scenes that I really hated. Okay. So one, at the beginning, Paris and Kess are walking back with like a bunch of plants for the kitchen and they're just Mm -hmm. like laughing and being friendly and Tom says, I'll see you later. And Neelix is like enraged. Yeah. He's so mad. One, he thinks see you later means they have like a date set up or something instead of just like it being a goodbye which is clearly what it was and he like physically was moving in a really weird way and I don't think the intent was that it looked like that it was supposed to look like he was going to hit her but there was a point where I thought he was going to hit her when he like turns with like a handful of vegetables also he kept going on about how young and naive and sweet she was and he knows that men like to go after sweet, young, naive women who, like, don't know any better. You're calling yourself out right now. Yeah. You're talking about yourself. Yeah. Like, do you not understand? Also, later, he tells her something like, it's not you I don't trust. It's him. So then why is he mad at her? He's yeah. He's being really rude to her and impatient and irritable and he's being awful to her and then he's trying to say oh it's not that i don't trust you it's tom well then like go talk to tom yeah go talk to tom i guess yeah it's really like abusive and manipulative and i don't like it at all and then at the end so one thing that has to happen before they can start this mating process that takes a long time i can't remember what the length is but it's like a multi-day six days i think yeah She has to get, like, a foot rub from a parent, and she decides that, like, Janeway is too busy, so she goes to the doctor because she loves the doctor, and Neelix starts to get annoyed with that and asks, is that even okay? Is he even a real person? And she gets kind of pissed and tells him that the doctor is real to her, so, like, stop. But then he starts to get jealous again, which is infuriating because she literally picked the doctor as a, like, person to fill in for a father in this, like, whole like mating ritual so that she can mate with you yeah hello it's incredible that he like his degree of jealousy i can't handle it and like there's more of it later in this like series of episodes too and i just need them to break up so i don't have to deal with it anymore yes strongly agree i don't like this Mm -hmm. at all And, yeah, again, we learn that she's under two years old in this episode. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that. It's just the whole thing is icky. Yeah. Well, learning that she hasn't even reached puberty for her own species just made it even more clear how young she is. Mm Mm-hmm. You can't really argue as much, like, oh, well, you know, they age differently and she's older. It's, I mean, puberty, I guess, still is variable, right, and can mean different things for them, but... It feels worse. And the fact that they chose to yeah. call, like use that word at one point is 
weird. And they didn't have to, again, they didn't have to do that. The writers didn't have to make that choice. Yeah, or they could have made it more clear that it's like puberty, but it's not, you know, exactly like puberty. Because, yeah, you're right. Like, once you equate it to puberty to us, that seems like, whoa, 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 she's not going to go through puberty for another couple of years. And we're supposed to be okay with her being in a relationship with this guy who's, I don't know how old Neelix is, but no matter how old he is, he's a lot older than she is. And he's super jealous and weird. And so this episode was just not fun for anyone, I think. She was also really mean to the doctor. Oh my gosh, she was awful when he took her to sickbay and the doctor was trying to figure out what was was wrong with her. Neelix was just panicking and getting in the way and in a really, really awful, frustrating way. So I don't know if that's what this episode was designed to do, but it sure made me not like Neelix. Yeah. I've been trying to hold out and think, you know, maybe I just don't like him, but he's not as bad as it seems but no from this episode i don't like him yeah i don't feel bad about that anymore i just don't like him yeah do you think he'll get better over time because we still have five seasons yeah and the rest of this one so that's a lot of time for him to yeah there's change it's not a good foundation though man no it's yeah i'm trying to like give everyone a real fair shot but he's been a nightmare and it's only gotten worse Yeah, but he wasn't in the next episode, I think, at all. So that was a nice little breather from him. So the next episode is a Harry episode, and it's yet again, Harry (laughs) is thrown... Yeah, (laughs) Harry is thrown into some impossible situation. You know, and I can't... Every time this happens to Harry, I'm just like, oh my god, what? Can Harry catch a break, please? But I guess... Really, this is Star Trek, and it happens to everyone. It's going to keep happening to everyone. But it feels like it's happening to Harry more. He keeps getting thrown into these ridiculous situations. So in this episode, he, well, he wakes up in San Francisco. Yeah. In the current present day, it's like he's magically back on Earth, and everyone around him doesn't think he's been on Voyager. And so he's trying to figure out how, like, what happened to Voyager and why isn't he on Voyager and how did he get back here? Everyone thinks he's crazy. And he finds out that Tom isn't on Voyager (laughs) either. (laughs) That was kind of sweet, I thought, that he found Tom. And that he's the reason that Tom isn't on Voyager, really? Yeah, that was (laughs) a little bit of a stretch because, so when he finds Tom, Tom says... Oh, yeah, Captain Janeway came and asked me to go with her on this mission, and I said yes. And I went to Deep Space Nine, and then I got in a fight with a Ferengi bartender, got put in jail overnight, and they wouldn't let me out, and I couldn't go. Voyager left without me. It just seemed like a bit of a stretch to say Mm -hmm. that Harry's presence uh, in the bar is the reason that he didn't get put in jail. But okay. That's, All right, I guess. You're, like, right, but also it's very cute that their, like, destinies are so intertwined. Yeah. I love, like, a best friends in every timeline plot yeah. point. So, <laughs> um, this, I think, of the three was my favorite episode. This was for sure my favorite of yeah. the three. I really enjoyed seeing Earth. Mm-hmm. 
which was nice. I didn't think we'd get that. So it was like, like, yeah, we don't see Earth very much in any Star Trek series, really, or in any of the 90s Mm -hmm. Trek series. It's pretty rare. So, yeah, we got to see future San Francisco, which is kind of cool. There, like, weren't any cars. I don't know if you noticed that, but they were, like, they were walking up and down the streets and there were no cars. I don't think I saw any cars the whole time. So that's interesting. Maybe everyone's flying or they just have really, really good public transportation. (laughs) Did you know that Starfleet headquarters are in San Francisco? I did not. Yeah. That's where Starfleet Academy is. Starfleet headquarters. So Harry was reunited with both his girlfriend and his clarinet in this episode. The scene where he walks up to his clarinet was incredible. (laughs) It was very cute. Yeah. I'm not... A really like good clarinet player. I haven't touched a clarinet in a long time, so I'm not really dedicated in any way. But I would never store my clarinet that way, personally. He has it like displayed in yeah. his bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Which was really funny. <laughs> I mean, is it advisable to do that or shouldn't it stay in a case? I feel I don't like know it's not, right? Better or not. I I don't I, again. It just it just feels yeah. like it's not a good idea. I'm not sure there are maybe like mean, professionals who would disagree, but it just felt really silly and not like what you'd want to do. You'd want to keep it protected and like it well, a safe place. My experience in band all comes from school and everyone kept their instruments in cases. Mm-hmm. But of course, we were always taking them back and forth from yeah. school and home. So there wasn't really another yeah. option for us. So I don't know if like... If you're an adult and you play your clarinet at home and you don't take it, you're not taking it somewhere every day. Yeah. So maybe you would leave it out and assembled. I don't know. Maybe it's better for like I the cork to not be constantly like pulling it apart and putting it back together. Maybe. But I, I wonder if it would be drier air if yeah. it's out of the case all the time and if that wouldn't be good for things. Yeah, my instincts still tell me that it should be kept in a case, but I don't know. I can look that up later. It just felt really funny and weird. Of course, we wouldn't have had that scene if it were in a case. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm not complaining because I loved it. It was just... <laughs> but the reason that I loved it was because it was so weird. Yeah. I also want to know what a Vulcan mocha is. Yeah, me too. Me That's too. Harry's go-to drink, a Vulcan mocha extra sweet, and I am curious. Hmm. I haven't noticed if he ever orders that on the ship or not. Of course, I don't know if they would have mm-hmm. the stuff to make it, but... I haven't know. super noticed anyone having, like, a go-to thing unless it's, like, a plot point at this point. Like, Jane, we likes coffee. Then there are, like, the special things they don't get very much, so we haven't gotten a ton of, like, people ordering things a lot. Yeah, since they have to um, ration replicator use, they have to be more selective about what they eat and drink. We got to see a runabout in this episode, which was fun for me because the runabouts are a kind of ship used in Deep Space Nine a lot. Voyager has one or two shuttlecraft, um, but they don't have runabouts. Runabouts are a little bit bigger but still like smaller sized ships. And so in the in this timeline, Harry was an engineer working on new runabout designs. 
so that was kind of neat. I really enjoyed the joke. Well, it wasn't a joke in the episode. It was kind of a joke to us when Harry realizes Tom isn't on Voyager, (laughs) that he's on Earth. And he realizes this at like three or four in the morning Mm -hmm. or whatever. And he's he decides he has to go find Tom. And so he tells his fiance, I've got to go to Marseille. I've got to see Paris. And she's like, but you just said you're going to Marseille. <laughs> I just that enjoyed was that. a terrible joke, and I laughed very hard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about we want more episodes where, like, Tom and Harry work together, and Harry's a good influence on Tom. Did that kind of satisfy your... Like, not, not that we don't want more. We still yeah. want more of these episodes. But did yeah. this qualify for that? Yes and no. I'm going to go with yes. I loved it. Like, this is what I want. But I also want it in the real timeline and not in the fictional timeline. Yeah. But, yeah. Where Tom was, uh, has no memory of what actually yeah. happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, Harry just comes back and is like, Tom, I missed you. I mean, he does not say that. But, you know, he feels that. <laughs> yeah, well, there was that moment at the end where he, they get him back aboard and he's like, is Lieutenant Paris there? <laughs> and everyone on the bridge kind of looks at each other and they're like, yeah, <laughs> what do you, what? And then um, after that, I guess he comes to the bridge or I don't remember how, but he like s- says to Tom at the very end, like, thanks, man, I owe you one. And Tom's <laughs> just kind of like, what are you talking about? What's happening? <laughs> Yeah, I want more of that in, like, the real timeline. Yeah. But I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed that whole, like, final scene in the ship together where Paris, like, saves him and just accepts that, like, if he dies, it's fine because everything else will be better. And that's also for himself, right? But he was willing to, like, sacrifice himself on the off chance that, like, Harry could get home and things could get back to normal. Yeah, that was actually kind of dark, like, just briefly there because they're, like... On the runabout and kind of figuring out what they have to do to give Harry even just a chance, not even a guarantee that he's going to end up back in, that things are going to end up back the way they're supposed to be. And finally, they've tried a few things and finally Harry's like, you've got to transport me off of the ship. And Tom's like, what? <laughs> like, just into space? Mm-hmm. And Harry's like, sure, I guess. And then um, and then they realize the ship's going to blow up. And so Tom would die. And Harry's like, wait, hang on. Well, we can't do this. And Tom's like, no, it'll be fine. You know, I'll die, but I won't really because it'll fix things or whatever. And then Tom... Um, sacrifices himself in the end he like pushes harry onto the transporter transports them and then we see the ship actually blow up yeah which was um that was i don't know that was (laughs) that was really kind of sad for a moment there of course immediately then we see harry's back in the yeah proper timeline and everybody's okay but for a moment there i was just like wow they actually showed the ship blowing up with tom on it So, I know that I said that I care far more about, like, a good friendship than a romance. And I stand by that, generally. Yeah. 
I stand by that. And I also know that Tom and Harry are not going to end up together. So there's no point in shipping it. But also, these I don't buy that the actors aren't playing it a little bit like they're into each other. Because <laughs> there was a yeah, point at the end so. where I was like, are they going to kiss? And like that would have been really not great because Harry's clearly dealing with a lot with his whole with his girlfriend and having her in this episode. That would have been yeah. like too much for him emotionally. But like, are the actors playing this a little bit like they're into each other? I just want to know because it feels like they are. So anyway, I still ship Tom and Harry. They probably make the most sense as a ship out of like all the characters. Everyone else, yeah. So far in the show, they probably make the most sense. Speaking of Harry's girlfriend, I found their relationship kind of odd. Yeah. It didn't seem like they were that into each other. Yeah, it was weird. Um, Especially Harry. I mean, there was a moment where she got really worried about him and how he was talking about he needs to leave and everything's Mm -hmm. wrong. And she's like, but like the stuff you're saying just means that you're going to leave me. And why would you do that? And then he has these few lines where he's saying, like, I want to stay here with you, really. That's what I really want to do. But I'm not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just it just felt weird. Like, they didn't really feel like they were in love yeah. to me. Around the end, I started to buy it more near the very end. But, yeah, for the first, like, I hadn't really thought about this until you said it. But they didn't feel like they cared about each other as much as they're supposed to. Until, like, the very end when she, like, kind of helps him escape. Yeah, at the very end, she she helps him escape, and that was kind of nice. But up until then, and even then, it didn't yeah. really feel like these are two people who are really in love. And, and like, going to get married. And going to get married. And, like, if I had someone I was in love with and had been away from them for a year, however long it's been in their timeline, I think I would have behaved a lot differently than Harry did. When he's he, like, in love woke with Tom up. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. No, yeah, I, mean. I think it was just badly written. Like, that relationship was just badly written. And she didn't, like, get very much characterization, right? She didn't. And, I mean, I can also understand how, like, if you wake up and your fiancé is saying these crazy and mm-hmm. weird things, you'd probably react similar to how she did, but... It kept going on, and she kept, I don't know, not really believing him and not really... Just the whole thing didn't quite feel... Yeah. And it would have been really good if it did feel like they were really in love and this was there. This could have been a devastating episode. Exactly. It could could have have been been so good. Harry, like, trying to make this decision to, like, leave the woman he loved who he's been with for a long time or, like, go back to Voyager. But it wasn't. I mean, he spent the whole episode 100% certain that he needs he needed to get back to his ship that's stranded in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. I don't think there was ever a moment where Harry doubted that was what he needed to do. And in part, I want to think highly of him for that, but there's also mm-hmm. a part of me that thinks, but he wouldn't have done that. I mean, there would have been a moment of doubt or two yeah. when he was like, maybe I should just stay here and let it be yeah and be with my girlfriend again and i agree they just they they didn't put enough like effort into making that believable and that like that relationship believable and then that 
didn't help, right? Yeah. And, yeah, it it could have been so much better. That's how I feel about a lot of episodes. It yeah. could, it, it's fine, but it could have been so good. Yeah, so the last episode we watched was called Twisted. And this, I think, must be the episode that I remember because at the beginning they're celebrating Kessa's birthday and they have like a surprise party on the holodeck for mm-hmm. some reason in Tom's weird French <laughs> weird bar. bar program. Um, so they have a surprise party for her. She goes, she walks into the bar and it's all dark and they jump out and they bring this cake out. And that I think that's what I remember, unless there's another Kess birthday later in the series. But I definitely remember, I have this memory of them like bringing a cake out to Kess. So I think this must be that episode. I didn't particularly remember the rest of it. It was all, it all felt like maybe I remember this. I'm not sure. I liked it. I didn't like mm-hmm. it as much as the Harry episode, but it was fine. Yeah, it's not a super memorable episode. It's just like fun and okay. Yeah. But one part that is memorable is the doctor working as a bartender in his little costume. <laughs> Yeah, and we got a, I'm a doctor, not a bartender <laughs> line. So have you ever heard those I'm a doctor lines? Yeah. They're a very Star Trek thing because in the original series, there were a bunch of times when Dr. McCoy said, I'm a doctor, not a whatever. There's, <laughs> there's a bunch of them. You can look them up. Yeah. And so it became one of those like Star Trek jokes and every doctor on every series has said that at some point. I don't know about the newer series, but every on the other series, they've all said, I'm a doctor, not a bartender at some point. <laughs> so that was funny when he said that. One thing I really liked about this episode was it made it clear that a lot of people hate Neelix, like in universe. Chakotay yeah. and Chakotay's reaction, but especially Chakotay's reaction <laughs> when yeah, toward the <laughs> or somewhere in the middle, I guess Neelix says, "Are they're in the holodeck because they keep getting redirected back to the holodeck because this anomaly they encountered in space is like reconfiguring the ship, and they're trying to figure out how to get to the bridge and all of these different things and." They're all in the holodeck. Well, all the senior officers are in the holodeck at one point, and they're talking about what they're going to do and who's going to do what. Janeway is like, okay, and you go with this person, you go with that person, and Neelix offers, I'll go with Commander Chakotay because my, he says something like my tracking skills yeah. are. Yeah. He something says something like braggy and dumb. Yeah, braggy and dumb about himself. And then the captain's like, that all right with you, Chakotay? And his, <laughs> he says, he says, yeah, sure. But his face and the way he says it was so good. It was he, like, perfect. clearly did not want Melix to go with him. It was amazing. It was one of my favorite moments in this episode. <laughs> I had a favorite moment in this episode toward the end. So at the end of it all, they cannot figure out how to get rid of this anomaly that's, like, warping the ship and... They don't know what all's going on. And finally, at the end, they end up deciding there's nothing more we can do. We're just going to sit here and wait and see what happens. So they all think, 
I don't know, are we all about to die right now? And so they're all kind of like saying things to each other as if maybe this is these are our last moments. And Tuvok and Chakotay had a little exchange that I really liked because... It was very good. It was very good. I've become very interested in their relationship because even though Tuvok was under orders when he infiltrated Chakotay's Maquis crew, he still, you know, he was the face that mm-hmm. was there. So, like, obviously, since they've been on Voyager together, they've been very professional and respectful and Chakotay gets those little digs in that I enjoy a lot. But he's not really... Neither of them are really, like, hostile towards each other. Yeah. But, you know, there's a little bit of tension in there. And in this episode, they address it and they talk about it when they think maybe they're about to die. They don't know. Yeah. And it was really nice and it felt really good. And I really liked it. Yeah, it was definitely one of the highlights of the episode. And also, uh, Tom put his hand on Harry's shoulder. That was cute. <laughs> yeah, I caught that. <laughs> <laughs> They're standing there, and the anomaly, which they can see it on the ship, it like looks like green, kind of, and it distorts stuff. And anyway, it's like slowly encroaching. And so they see it coming, and they're just kind of standing there. And they all... There, I mean, there's a group of them on the holodeck together waiting for this to happen, but they all kind of, like, go to stand by the person that they want to be standing next to as this is happening to them. And Tom and Harry stand next to each other, and Tom puts his hand up on Harry's shoulder. It's very cute. So he does that, and it's very cute. And then Tom drops his hand, and you can't see their hands. It's, like, behind Chakotay's head. Are they holding hands? <laughs> That would be perfectly reasonable. <laughs> so yeah, maybe. Maybe everyone else was holding yeah, hands. Like everyone Chakotay was. And, Chakotay and Chakotay and held hands, and um, I'm sure someone was. Someone took Janeway's Tuvok. hand. So no, Tuvok was standing next to her, and she's unconscious. And he yeah. like looks down at her and reaches out and puts his hand on her shoulder. He loves her so much. I he love does, their relationship yeah. a lot. I do, too. They just love each other, and they're friends, and it's beautiful, and it's one of my favorite relationships when we get it, right? We don't get how close they are a lot, but in those moments, it's very sweet, and I like it a lot. Yes, I agree. I like their friendship a lot. Yeah. It's very good. One, like, small thing that happened that was just, like, weird and funny. So the ship is twisted up and, like, Parts of the ship are not in places where they normally are. So doors open to wrong air spaces. And they're in engineering. And Belana's trying to go somewhere. She opens a door. And there's this, like, naked man just standing there, like, oh. And they, like, look at each other for a second. And she says something to him very professionally, like, stay where you are. There's an emergency. And she closes the door. <laughs> and yeah. who's with her? Harry, right? Tom. 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 Says, like, you handled that really well. <laughs> She did. She handled it as yeah. well as she could in the situation. That guy was unfazed by like his that door opening up and being engineering, but he had like no reaction. He just kind of gave like the slightest nod and the door is closed. <laughs> One other thing that I noted that I both liked but thought was weird, like within the context of the scene 
was so Janeway and Harry are like crawling through this like Jeffrey's tube. Is that what that is? Or is that something else? They're crawling through this yeah, tunnel thing yeah. together. And she turns to Harry and says, like, you've been a bright spot on this mission and you've just gone above and beyond and you've been really great and I, like, am really happy you're here or whatever. And it just felt like a really weird moment because at that point they didn't think they were going to die and they had, like, a job to do. But it was also really cute. I, like, can't... It was weird and cute at the same time. It wasn't my favorite moment, but it was a standout moment. Yeah, I know what you mean. It was kind of... It felt a little bit out of place. Yeah. Like, why is she stopping to say this right now? I don't know. Maybe she just thought he needed a little bit of... A little boost. Encouragement. Yeah. Here's a little yeah. boost for you. I really like you. You're great. Glad you're here. Um, we got more of that Neelix jealousy God. in this episode. <clears throat> Let Cass have friends. Let Cass have friends. I mean, why she's picking Tom to be a friend you can question that but don't also just don't be weird to her about it yeah if you're gonna be weird to anyone be weird to Tom but why are you being weird to her anyway there's a moment later on in the episode so the jealousy happens more like at the beginning because Tom gives her a birthday gift and Neelix is all like it was a really great gift Tom gave you isn't it and she's just kind of like are you being jealous again? Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? Me? No. <laughs> like, all weird. Anyway, later on in the episode, he tries to talk to Chakotay about it for some reason. Yeah. He's like, have you ever been jealous? And I didn't really like what Chakotay said. No, Chakotay said, I didn't either. Sorry, that was very strong. <laughs> Jealousy is about the fear of losing someone you love. Um, I don't agree with that jealousy is not about the fear of losing someone you love or it's not purely about the fear of losing someone you love it's more about wanting to control someone i think yeah and being mad that you can't control them yeah he like really just helped neelix justify his nonsense yeah which was really odd because it it doesn't feel like a chakotay thing it seems like he's normally smarter about stuff like that. So that felt really strange. If a different character who behaved differently was struggling with jealousy and was like, man, I really hate that this is how I feel. And like, I'm struggling with it myself, but I'm not like being like gross to my partner. And Chakotay was kind of like, listen, you need to stop. But also it's like fine. I'd be more accepting of it. But Neelix has been so gross and in front of a lot of people about it. And I yeah. just didn't think it was an acceptable response to have. Because Neelix isn't just, like, feeling a little bad about himself. He, like, is being, like, manipulative. Like you were saying, he wants to control Cass. Yeah. He's being gross. And he doesn't seem to be bothered by it. At least not in the way that... Maybe you should, like, if you're feeling jealous, you could be feeling jealous as, like, sort of a natural response, but simultaneously know that you shouldn't be, that it's not good, and be asking yourself, like, what does it mean that I'm feeling jealous? And Yeah, you reevaluate yourself. Yeah, but he seems to be not really trying that hard Mm. to 
not be jealous. He's only really questioning it because Kes is mad at him. Yeah, that's true. So, I don't know. I don't... I don't like Neelix, I don't like his jealousy, and I thought Chakotay's response about jealousy being about the fear of losing someone you love was really bad. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what jealousy is. Mm-mm. A minor pandemic-related note at the beginning of the episode when they bring the cake out and they have Kess blow out the candles, <laughs> I had one of those little moments of like, no, you can't do that, germs. <laughs> that was a beautiful cake. It was. It was a nice color. Yeah. It would have been better if Neelix hadn't been all like, oh, but like my cake was better than Tom's necklace, right? Ruined it. Also, there's a point where they're all leaving because like something is wrong and Neelix is kind of upset that they're leaving and they hadn't eaten the cake yet. Like, yeah. there's, there's a problem they have to fix. Like, it's they can come back for the cake. <laughs> Yeah, I liked at the very end of the episode, he comes walking onto the bridge with the cake. Because in the end, they decide they're not going to do anything and just let the thing, like, wash over the ship or whatever. And it does, and then everybody's okay, Mm -hmm. and they finally can get to the bridge again. So they go to the bridge, and then Neelix waltzes in with the cake and just, like, sets it down on the the helm or whatever or something at the, um, up toward the like front of the bridge and Tom is immediately like picking it up and <laughs> and whisking it away like you can't put a cake there man that's God. not for cakes <laughs> trying to fly a ship here yeah um i am interested to know what the heck that was who are these aliens yeah. what data did they leave them hopefully yeah. we'll revisit that I hope that we, I hope that's not one of those things that happens and then they never mention it again. Because that Mm -hmm. was really interesting at the end of the episode when they say, well, it's gone. I guess it was some aliens trying to communicate with us and that was the only way they could do it. And they copied our entire library and, and took it with them. And they also downloaded a bunch of information into our computers, and they don't say anything about what kind of information it is. But, man, I hope we hear about that again. Yeah. Because that's really interesting. What did they give you? What did they give you? Oh, I just remembered this, like, small, cute scene at the beginning. Um, so most people are at the party, but Harry and Tuvok and a few others are on the bridge. And Harry's kind of like, I've done all my chores, essentially, right? Like, yeah. I've done everything, and Tuvok's like, your shift isn't over for another, like, few minutes. I know you want to go to this party, but, like, and Harry's just like, okay, whatever. And then Tuvok <laughs> tells him, like, you know what? There's some stuff you can do. Like, I need you to check this thing on the holodeck, and Harry gets really excited and starts to, like, run off to the party because he just wants yes, to meet his friends. Yeah. Um, and then he cute. does not ever make it to the party, but <laughs> it was very cute. Yeah, that was very cute. One thing that I had forgotten to mention when we were talking about the conversation between Tuvok and Chakotay is that I had never really thought about how Tuvok must feel about Janeway giving Chakotay that position over him. Yeah. It like never really crossed my mind. And that was just like an interesting point. Yeah, Tuvok probably would have been the commander if not for yeah. Chakotay. They're just little things about their dynamic that I am slowly picking up on that I haven't thought about, which is nice. I guess I don't have a lot else to say about these episodes. 
We haven't been recording for an hour even. Normally, yeah. we struggle to keep it... <laughs> um, <laughs> to keep it down to, like, an hour and 15. But I guess yeah. there's just not, like, a ton to talk about with these episodes somehow. Yeah. I guess one thing that we didn't talk about that I don't have a lot to say, but that was, like, interesting was in the Harry episode where they're in San Francisco, we meet this alien who, like, exists in a time stream, and he's the one who put Harry, like, into this place because he felt like it was the best he could do to give Harry, like, a like good life uh, since he couldn't get him back. And that was, like, yeah. an interesting, like, new alien that we met. Um, I also... He also... So he, like, is working in a coffee shop, right? And at first I thought it was super weird that he knew all these details about Harry, like, which apartment that he lived in, and stuff like that. Yeah, why would the like, guy who gives you your coffee know where yeah. you live? That's Did really weird. That so that made that make more sense. Also, I don't know exactly what this means, but there are very few aliens that we meet who have accents. And he's only the second that I've noticed. Which is, hmm. like, a thing. Oh, you know, that reminds me of something that I think I meant to talk about with you last week or the mm -hmm. week before whenever the um the episode with Amelia Earhart happened because in that episode they actually mentioned the universal translator yeah. did you catch that I don't I think did. we talked about it I did you think anything of that or look it up or anything I didn't uh I kind of just assumed that was a thing that existed because of how they like can always just talk to people but I noted it and moved on and look into it. Yeah, so um, in the original series, from the get-go, they're just able to talk to aliens, and mm -hmm. there's no discussion of, like, different languages or any of that. Um, they're just able to c communicate with everybody. And I think it was in the original series, at some point, they finally threw in a line about the universal translator, just as a way to kind of explain how they don't have an issue communicating with all the tons of mm -hmm. aliens that they encounter and then we know that they're using the universal translator in next generation and deep space nine and voyager but they rarely ever acknowledge it or talk about it but every once in a while there will be an episode where maybe something goes wrong with the universal translator and they can't communicate um one of the things I really like and have been enjoying about Star Trek Enterprise is Enterprise is a prequel to even the original series. And so there are some technologies that aren't there yet in Enterprise or aren't as well developed as they are in the later Star Treks. And one of them is the Universal Translator. So in the later Star Trek, it just seems to be like built in to everybody. Um, Janeway points at her comm badge when she mentions it in the episode The 37s. Um, there's an episode of Deep Space Nine where Quirk and the other Ferengi go to Earth and accidentally time travel. Um, the episode is called Little Green Men, and it's basically <laughs> about how Roswell was actually the Ferengi from <laughs> Deep Space Nine. <laughs> it's a great episode. But when they wake up in the lab where the military took them after finding their crash site or whatever they can't understand each other 
and they're saying like, oh, I think something's wrong with our universal translators, and they're like poking around in their ears. So it seems like for the Ferengi, it's in their ears. Janeway pointed at her comm badge. Um, the 37s in that episode, they wouldn't have had universal translators. Yeah. So it, you, you inevitably have these questions like, so does the universal translator work if only one person has one? Which apparently is the case because, I mean, that's what happened in the 37s and then in Little Green Men episode of Deep Space Nine. Once the Ferengi fix their translators in their ears, then they can both, yeah. the humans and the Ferengi can understand each other. Anyway, in Enterprise, they have, like, the early version of the Universal Translator, which is a handheld device. I guess it's not small enough to go in your ear or in your comm badge or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just kind of interesting. It's just Star Trek technology that we don't hear a lot about until Enterprise, when they start talking about it more, and we see them having more issues with encountering aliens but not being able to understand them but in all the other series it's just kind of understood that it language is not going to be an issue ever i want that yeah i wish i had a universal translator (laughs) but i just really appreciate how in enterprise they acknowledge yeah language and there are issues with it whereas in all the other star treks they're just like yeah you know Whatever aliens we encounter, we're going to understand them. It's not an issue. You would imagine that there would be situations where even if the translator would work, if whatever technology like has that data stored wouldn't ma- always understand meanings, even if it can translate. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because like you can translate some words and get like an idea, right? But you can't always get like the actual like like nuanced. Yeah. And some things Things either don't translate or there's not, like, a word-for-word translation. It might Like, some languages, we know, we have those words that have a meaning. And if you try to translate it, you have to, like, explain the meaning. You can't just say... There's not just a word, right? There's not always, you know, exactly the right word to translate from one language to another. Sometimes the only way to say what you mean is to, like, say a bunch of words. Yeah. And we don't see that really happening in Star Trek. We certainly never see people saying things, but then taking a lot longer or shorter. The amount that their mouth moves always matches up with what they're saying. You know what I mean? And then there are, even though there's the universal translator and all that, there are times when we just hear the words in the language. It doesn't translate it. And I, it's not always clear why it chooses to sometimes translate and sometimes not. Klingon, I think, is the one we most often will hear spoken. Sometimes Klingons will say something and it'll just be in Klingon and it won't translate. I also am just curious as to like how they work, right? Because I would assume that there's some sort of like database of languages, right, that this translator can access. So what that means for the Delta Quadrants and these like new aliens and new languages yeah. that they've probably totally never encountered. True. And so in Enterprise, for the first time, we see mm-hmm. how whenever they encounter a totally new alien, they have to, like, talk. And, and the Universal Translator has to, like, hear them speaking for a little while, mm-hmm. and then it starts to translate. And 
it doesn't have to hear much. Like, it can yeah. go off of a couple senses, and I don't know how that works, but, you know, at least they show it yeah. having to have some sample of the language before it can start translating. And then in, like, Voyager and in all the 90s treks, you know, that's not the case. It's just mm-hmm. automatically working. And an original series, which, frankly, had as many new and unknown aliens as Voyager does. They're, like, meeting new aliens all the time, and they can just always understand them. And Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, there's a lot more contact with aliens they've known Mm -hmm. and languages that they're very familiar with. But there's still, in all the series, there's still times when they encounter totally new aliens. And there's never any delay. The Universal Hmm. Translator just translates. (laughs) I don't know how it works. I guess it's just one of those things that you couldn't have Star Trek without it. So yeah, they don't want us to think about it too much. Yeah, it's fine. It's just interesting. I like that Enterprise deals with it a little bit. Well, and Enterprise actually has a exolinguist, is what she's called, on the crew. So they're comm officer. She's not just communications, but she's a linguist, and she speaks, I don't know, like 40 languages or something. That's really neat. She can can learn new languages, I don't know, in like a day, it seems like. Mm -hmm. And so they actually have someone who's really good with language and she works with the universal translator too but even without it she does pretty good mm-hmm. she's pretty cool it's just kind of interesting to think that you might need an exolinguist on your <laughs> spaceship oh you know what back to elogium mm-hmm. not that i really want to talk more about this episode however <laughs> in the episode kes basically says that okampa have one chance to have a child And I thought that seemed kind of odd because if they have only one chance to have a child, wouldn't that make population decline inevitable? If they only have one chance, Mm -hmm. and then what if they don't have a child or, you know, people die? And um, so wouldn't that make it impossible for their population to grow? I was trying to figure that out. I wonder how common like twins are well that's yeah so that's one thing that could help but i don't know how common they are Mm -hmm. at some point in the episode she said child it's where my Mm -hmm. child would grow she never says anything about the possibility of having more than one or how likely that is the whole time it really seems like she's gonna have one yeah i don't know i don't know it's just seemed really like how could they only have one in their lives so we know that whatever is happening on their planet right now has affected them physically and has, like, limited yeah. a lot of their abilities. Maybe before that time, right, when they had more of their, like, normal abilities, they could have children more often, but so many generations have passed they don't really remember that time. Maybe. Um, I don't know. Because now, like, they're dying off anyway kind of because of what's happening right yeah i don't know the caretaker just like really messed everything up for them and (laughs) maybe he's the reason their lifespans are shorter yeah who knows i don't know they don't seem like they were super planned out as like a species yeah which is weird since she's one of the main characters (laughs) you'd think they would have put a little more effort into making that work but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just 
I noticed that and I thought it was really odd and it didn't really make sense. Since we're back on the topic of babies, in this episode, one thing we, we hadn't talked about was they talk about how, oh, I guess, like, maybe people on our crew might, like, right. get involved and want to have babies and have, like, little families on the ship and, huh, how do we feel about that? That's complicated. That's tricky. And I guess the reason they start that conversation, in addition to Kess's situation, is Chakotay walks in on two <laughs> crew members making out in the turbo lift, <laughs> which is kind of cute because it was one Maquis and one Starfleet. It was cute. Yeah, that is an interesting like point. So they are both concerned about people starting to have children, but also about what it means to have like such a long voyage when people are going to start dying off before they make it to the end because they need people to run the ship. And yeah. then you have the like ethical implications of like essentially breeding children to like work for you, but also it's it was just really complicated yeah. and we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about it in the show, but well, I guess they're going to be talking about it more relatively soon because at the end of the episode we find out um, Ensign Wildman is pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so they've got someone who's going to have a baby Yeah, on the crew. Not Kess, but somebody else is pregnant and going to have a baby. So that's happening. Yeah, God. We're going to have, like, a weird, like, baby slash toddler slash child over the course of the series, I guess, like, wandering around the ship. Yeah. One thing I liked a lot about this episode was, so, like, often, I feel like, in real life, if a woman is in the position that Kess is and, like, realizes that, like, she something needs to happen and she might never have a child again, people are really weird about that. And someone is usually, like, but are you sure? Like, are you sure you won't have kids? You would never have kids. Like, that's a huge deal. And no one pressures Kess in any direction, really. Yeah. Like, Hess herself is stressed out because it's a stressful situation, right? She wanted kids, and now she has to, like, deal with that. But no one is kind of putting any pressure on her to choose to have a child that she's not ready for. Yeah. They leave it completely up to her. Or, or even not. to not have a child yeah. because they don't want babies on the ship. Yeah. Because they're not sure that somehow they haven't thought about it until this episode. And, yeah. And Chakotay and Janeway are talking about it, and suddenly they're like, huh, Huh. Yeah. Don't know if we want babies, but then again, maybe we do want yeah. babies. <laughs> so I so. really liked that. And at the end, when that woman walks in and is like, so I'm pregnant, Janeway is just like, congratulations, like, we'll figure it out. And there's yeah. no like, well, what are you going to do? You won't be able to do your job. Because Cass is kind of worried at one point. Like, well, if I have a kid, will I be able to continue my studies? Will it, Like, what will happen? And this woman is like, Gonna work it out. They're gonna make it. Actually, it's not Kess. Neelix. Neelix. Was worried. Ugh. And Kess, yeah. Neelix was like, you won't be able to continue your medical studies. Right. And Kess was like, wait, I totally can. Yeah. All right. But yeah. Yeah. When Ensign Wildman says she's pregnant, Captain Janeway doesn't say, but you won't be able to do your job. Yeah. Of course, she wouldn't say that. She knows no. better. Yeah. 
they're just they're very supportive of both of these women making whatever decision they need to make for themselves and i did appreciate that and that there was no one who other than like neelix who was like stressed about it because it's also something that he would have to deal with right it's not just cats in that situation other than him like everyone's very supportive of her making her choices and i liked that a lot it's one of the few things about the episode that was good yep well I can't really think of anything else that Mm-mm. I have to say about these episodes. I'm looking forward to our next episodes, and I hope I like them a little better Yeah, than the ones from this week. I mean, I did, I did like the two episodes, but the one that I didn't like, Elogium, really brought the whole group down for me. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't really like that episode. It was too uncomfortable the whole time. It was just really frustrating. I just didn't really like anyone in that episode for the whole episode, except for Tuvok. <laughs> Tuvok was great. Tuvok was perfect. I mean, the aliens were kind of neat. and Yeah. The and aliens when... were kind of neat, but they were just such a like background thing that was happening. Yeah, exactly. I did love, though, when like Kes was freaking out. And Janeway walks into the room and gives her just this big hug. I that was nice. That, that was, was really, really nice. nice. I want I a love Janeway these, hug. Yeah, I want a Janeway when hug. When I'm in crisis, I love these little like moments that like show how much the crew members love each other. Now, why Janeway really likes? Well, I guess Kess, I can understand, but why she really likes Neelix, I don't know. But I mean, do we know that whatever. she really likes Neelix? She seems to. I mean, she at least acts like it. I, like in the episode mm-hmm. Jatrell from a week or two ago, she seemed like really torn up that he was maybe dying or whatever, which is a little I mean, different from just liking him. But yeah, uh, it, it seems like she really cares about him. I haven't picked up on a whole lot about how Janeway feels about Neelix. I think, though, so like I don't like Neelix, but in that episode... I was mad at Janeway for how she was treating him, right? Yeah, I can't stand him. True. So, like, I it could be that she likes him. It's possible. Um, but it also could just be that she's, like, a kind person who is a professional and knows how to treat people with empathy. Or she likes yeah. him. Maybe she's amused by him. I don't You're know. Right. I'll pay more attention moving forward. Yeah. She doesn't obviously hate him the way some characters do. She definitely oftentimes seems very annoyed with him. I mean, even in this episode, they're having a whole big emergency situation on the bridge and he waltzes in and is like, the doctor kicked me out of sickbay. Can you believe that? And she's just kind of like not really looking at him until he says Kess is ill and until the doctor contacts her to say there's a situation. So she often, like more than anything else, she seems to be exasperated with him, mm-hmm. but she does seem to like him. But I don't know. Jury's still out. We'll keep watching and see yeah. how it goes. I'll pay more and attention. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that he gets better and improves as a character. I, I think he will, but I don't know. I don't know. Does Cass, like, stick around for the whole show? Um, no. She doesn't. I mean, maybe she'll you... get better when she's gone. I don't know when she goes away or how mm-hmm. that happens, but I know that she's not around for the whole seven seasons. 
A lot of what I hate about Neelix has to do with the way he treats Kess. So her leaving won't make him better. Like, I, he's still yeah. a bad person, but you won't notice it as much. <laughs> more tolerable. Yeah. If he doesn't have someone to be jealous over. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, I can't think of anything else I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, can you think of anything else? No, I think we hit everything that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. So I'm ready to watch the next three episodes mm-hmm. and tweet about them. Yes. I'll definitely be using the Twitter more. Well, I'll definitely be using the Twitter period because I wasn't using it at all until a few <laughs> days ago. <laughs> so you tweeted as you're watching one of the episodes. So you think you'll do that at least once a week? Yeah, I think so. Okay. If not twice. When okay. I saw that a hairy episode was coming up, I was like, oh, maybe I want to tweet this too. But I ended up eating dinner instead. But <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah, I'll keep on top. I'll keep doing that every week, I think. You can always, if you watch something and you don't end up live tweeting because you're eating dinner or whatever, you can always tweet things about it later after That's the true. I can also rewatch it. Yeah, true. I'm not opposed to. So, anywho, that's it for this week. All right, I'll see you next week. Yeah, have a good week. You too. Bye. Bye.